You know, we live in a time in which there's not much left to surprise us anymore. Think about that. When you think about how our, our, our five senses experience the world differently from folks who came before us. I mean, who would have ever thought that a little electronic box could talk to us and know our name and remind us when it's time to take a pill or go to a meeting? That's amazing. I mean, that's simply amazing. Um, we go to a movie and we, we see things on the screen defy gravity. And it's no big deal. We can, we can shoot our own videos with a drone that we control wirelessly. Well, until Cheryl lets me get one. But we hear things that no other generation has heard. We have aromas now that were inconceivable years ago. I mean, we have candles that are like orange, vanilla, lilac or something. Incredible. But yet to us, it's just another scent. I mean, we aren't phased when we get in an automobile and travel 70 miles an hour down the interstate. We don't think twice about getting in a 20-ton metal rocket so it can take us 30,000 feet above the ground and travel at 500 miles an hour. I mean... Think about what that is. But yet it's just, it's just commonplace. We've, we've seen images of astronauts doing spacewalks. Bouncing on the moon and our jaws don't hit the floor. I mean, there's not much left to wow our senses today. It's almost as if we've lost the wonder of what it means to be alive. But in the first century, when Jesus and his disciples lived, they knew nothing of this technology. They didn't know any of these special effects we see in the movies. The fastest they ever saw someone travel was when they were on the back of a horse. And only the super wealthy owned a horse. The only thing they ever saw in the sky were the sun and the moon and clouds and birds. When, when Jesus performed miracles that defied the laws of nature, to the people in the first century world, it was a much bigger deal than we realize. I mean, if Jesus showed up here and walked across the pond down at the park, we might say, wow, that's neat. I saw that in a movie once. So when Jesus called his disciples to the top of a hill, gave them some instructions, and then right before their eyes floated up into the clouds, they saw something they never dreamed their eyes would ever see. I mean, clearly, clearly the disciples were confused. But they were confused even before Jesus ascended into the clouds. See, in the 40 days since Jesus' resurrection, their lives had been one perplexing mess. They weren't sure what they were supposed to be doing. They spent three years with Jesus. They saw him die. He rose from the dead. 
they weren't sure what would happen next. And for someone who likes to plan things ahead like I do, I would have been stressed out. They were confused. Because even here on this hilltop, they asked Jesus a question that lets us know that they didn't quite fully understand why Jesus had come to the earth. See, they asked Jesus if now was the time that he was finally going to kick out the Romans and restore the kingdom of Israel. Now are the Romans going to go away and we can have a king again? See, they didn't fully understand that Jesus wasn't concerned about establishing a political kingdom. He wanted to establish a spiritual one. So so when they asked Jesus this question, he was a lot more patient with them than I probably would have been. He said, y'all don't worry about things like that. You're going to be receiving the power of the Holy Spirit soon. Focus on that. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to be my witnesses all over the world. And as soon as Jesus said this, he was taken up into the air and he disappeared into the clouds. And the disciples just stood there staring up into the sky. Pete, did we just see that? Did that really just happen? They couldn't believe their eyes. You think he's going to fall back down? I mean, after all, in their whole lives, they'd only seen people fall, not go up. They'd seen people fall off of things, but never go the other way. And as they're standing there, just staring away at the sky, two angels suddenly stood there with them. And they didn't see the angels coming because they're too busy staring up at the sky. Maybe they're waiting for Jesus to come back down or fall. So the angels basically say, guys, what are y'all just doing standing here looking at the sky? Don't worry, he's going to come back someday. But not yet. He's told you what to do. So the disciples shook themselves out of their blown minds and they returned to Jerusalem to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. You know, I wonder how many of us have our eyes in the clouds instead of down on the earth doing what Jesus has called us to do. We're staring in the sky waiting for God to do something spectacular in our lives. When he's called us to be his witnesses in the daily grind of life. See, we're not waiting for the Holy Spirit anymore. The Holy Spirit's already come and empowered us. That's what the focus is going to be next Sunday, Pentecost Sunday. If we stand around staring at the sky because we're waiting for God to do something great, what does that say about who we are? What I've discovered is that most of the time, God works through the minutia of our daily lives. 
He works in the little things, in the unassuming things of life. He speaks to us through children or through a song on the radio or through a comment that somebody makes to us. And you know, sometimes I think, I think churches can stand around staring at the sky too. We're waiting for God to give us a grand vision of what we're supposed to do. Or we know an event is coming up on the calendar, so we're waiting for this big event to happen. And while we're waiting for those big things to happen with our eyes up in the clouds, the world is going by us, and we miss opportunities for ministry. And let's be honest, sometimes we come to worship with our heads in the clouds, don't we? We expect God to minister to us through the songs, prayers, or the sermon. We're we're basically telling God, this is how I want you to speak to me. Now see, it's okay to acknowledge the wondrous works of God. Just like the disciples, they'd never seen anyone float up in the clouds before. Let me tell you, if you ever have one of those experiences, dwell on it for a while. But make sure that your eyes come back down to the earth. We can't spend all of our times focusing on those big, grandiose, spiritual moments in our lives. Because then we're not being faithful to God. And maybe instead of waiting for God to speak to us, maybe we should be the message of God that somebody else needs to hear. See, when our relationship with God is just for ourselves, when it's just about what we can get out of it, I'm not sure that we've really developed a complete relationship with God that he wants for us. When we just want the church to to feed us spiritual food, and we're unwilling to offer the spiritual food of Jesus to other people, our eyes are in the clouds, not on the people that God has placed in our lives. See, the disciples were staring at the sky because they're trying to figure out what in the world just happened and how that possibly could have happened. They weren't focused on what Jesus told them about waiting for the Holy Spirit to empower them so they could share his message around the world. You know how they say confession is good for the soul? All right, it's confession time. I'm going to lay it out. Here we go. Confession time with Mike. You ready for this? Many of you probably know this, but I have a problem. And Shirley laughs because there's more than one. Yep, she knows me well. And Kathy gave me the look. But we're just going to talk about one of these problems. I've had this problem my entire life. And as much as I would love to rid myself of this problem, it stays with me. And no, it's not that I'm a Cubs fan. Some people see my problem as really a gift. 
but it can also be a curse. All right, I'm going to say it publicly. Y'all ready? Okay. My problem is that I want to know everything. I want to know, I want to know everything about everything. If I go see a movie about somebody's life, I'll go home and research as much as I can about that person to see how historically accurate the movie was. I can't just enjoy a movie. I watched a movie on the Middle Ages once on the Crusades and I walked out because it wasn't historically accurate. It's a curse, I'm telling you. When Cheryl and I first went on a cruise, I wanted to know everything behind the scenes about how a cruise ship operates. I couldn't just enjoy the buffet on the Lido deck. I want to know how the food got there. I want to know how long it had been sitting there. When was the last time it was cleaned? What's their operation system to get the food from the kitchen to here? Pray for Cheryl, y'all. Pray for Cheryl. When I read a book, information in the book makes me want to read at least five other books. Sometimes I wonder if I'm going through life staring at the sky. Just like the disciples who were trying to figure out just what in the world had happened when they should have been preparing themselves to receive the Holy Spirit. What's distracting you from what Jesus wants you to be doing with your life? I bet there is something We waste hours, days, weeks, even years doing something other than what God desires us to do. I know a young man who, in college, dreamed of going to medical school and becoming a surgeon. It's something he wanted to do his entire life. He even had dreams of becoming a medical missionary He graduated from UK near the top of his class, passed the MCAT exam the first time he took it. When he was admitted to medical school, he felt like he truly was following God's plan for his life. This kid's brilliant. Yet I'll never forget, four months after he began medical school, He sat in my office at the church weeping because he had just flunked out. Not even put on probation, not even suspended. It was, son, you're done. See, without even knowing it, he'd become addicted to a video game called World of Warcraft. And because he spent hours and hours each day and all night long playing this game, he flunked out of medical school. He had spent too much time staring at the sky instead of doing what God had gifted him to do. Today, he's a surgical RN. He went to nursing school. He gets to be in in the OR every day. He gets to be part of surgeries every day, but as a nurse. 
and not as the surgeon. It's a daily reminder to him of how he'll never again waste God's gifts for his life. See, we have no idea, no idea how much time we have on this earth. Let's not waste the time God has given us by staring into the sky. The disciples had to be shaken out of their upward stare by a couple of angels that God sent to get them moving. Y'all get on back to Jerusalem. And when they got back to Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit came upon them and the world changed forever. What does God want to do through you if you just stop staring at the sky or staring at your TV or staring at your smartphone or your video games or all the other ways that we waste time that God has given us? If you're the type of person who doesn't mind being challenged a bit, I want to encourage you to read something. You can Google this, and it'll come right up. It's a sermon written by the founder of Methodism, John Wesley. It's called On Redeeming the Time. Write that down. Go home and Google it. On Redeeming the Time by John Wesley. This sermon will make you laugh. It'll make you chuckle at at the... um, the cultural differences, it'll make you cry, it'll make you fall to your knees. See, God's given each one of us the same amount of time each day. How are we using it? We could spend all of our time staring at the sky. The sky is beautiful. I love the sky, it's beautiful. Or we could spend our time doing what God put us on the earth to do. And I guarantee God didn't send Jesus to come into the world, die for our sins, rise from the dead, so we could just have our eyes in the sky. God's given us one life. Let's make sure we live it well. Let's pray.